Boom. Welcome back to the Man of the Moment podcast. Colin, this is our 99th episode of all time. We're one away from triple digits. Um, I know you're flying high. LA Lakers win their 17th NBA championship, tying them for the most in NBA history. LeBron gets his fourth um, with three different teams, wins another finals MVP. I mean, as a LeBron stand, this is this has been a great week for you. Oh, yeah. It's huge weight off the chest. Can finally relax and breathe for a couple weeks till Michigan football starts back up. And, you know, as LeBron said, he wants his damn respect. And I saw that. Us, us, Bron- <laughs> us Bron- sexuals want our damn respect too, okay? <laughs> and and um, so we were on here last Tuesday, and you thought it would be done in five. And mm-hmm. and we actually were on the night of game four. And Miami gave it all they could in game four, but eventually the Lakers pulled out. They're up um, three games to one. Game four or game five, Jimmy Butler put up one of the best finals NBA performances, NBA finals performances we've seen. He had a triple-double 40-pointer again, um, outdueled LeBron. He was just carrying the team. And then ultimately um, game six comes and the Lakers just steamrolled Miami. I mean, it wasn't even close, dude. It was kind of like it was unfortunate just because it wasn't close. I mean, it was like thirty from half. Basically, from halftime on, it was a thirty-point lead, and they're just out of gas. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Game Six. I think Jimmy ended up having like like ten or twelve points. I mean, they were just completely done, and I think the the Lakers just kind of wore them down throughout the series. And you know, LeBron, that was probably one of the best finals he's ever played. I mean, he, he didn't yeah. have a single off game. And I think even the game five, I mean, game five is one of the best games he's ever played 15 to 21, 40 points. I mean, he tried to keep him in it and the heat, I think that was the Duncan Robinson game too, where he went off for 26, 26. or 28. Yep. And I mean, that was pretty much, you know, I was a little nervous after game five, but at the same time, you saw Jimmy just was completely dead, and I knew the Lakers still had another gear, and that LeBron still had the the rest of the rest of the gas in the tank. So I was pretty confident they'd still be able to finish it out. Yeah, we were talking like when LeBron is making threes, how he was in games four, five, and six, how he can just step into those threes. There's not, and then if he can just bully ball to the rim if he wants to, like just go downhill. Pretty much, we'll get an and one whether it's warranted or not every time. Mm-hmm. It just he's unstoppable in that regard, and you have to hope when you play LeBron that he can't make shots, and he made shots all NBA Finals. His three point, you know, he just never missed, and and then when you have guys like Rondo and Caruso and Markeith Morris make three point shots, I mean, Game Four, KCP had he had a five zero run when the game was tied, and it's just wild to see someone like KCP elevate in a moment in the NBA Finals, and he really. You know, you and I were talking about, I was like, dude, there are just so many goons on this team. But, you know, you were like, hey, how is KCP different than J.R. Smith? And, you know, while I disagree and I thought J.R. was more reliable, ultimately those role players, specifically Rondo, Caruso, and KCP, they did their job. And you could, you know, make an argument for Morris, who is also kind of a goon squad guy as well. But those guys held their own, and ultimately they got it done for LeBron. I, I would have never expected it. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that you can say um, about those guys is, while, you know, we don't see them as, like, top-tier role players, maybe, um, I mean, they are dudes that 
are veterans at this point. And like, you could see that, you know, we can maybe argue that Morris kind of lost his mind there at the end of game five, but they weren't oh, afraid terrible, of terrible. They weren't, yeah, I know, <laughs> but they weren't afraid of the moment at all. And, you know, I think we look like Tyler hero. You could see that it kind of started to get to him in this series Yeah, um, where he was just, I don't know. He just didn't play very well um, at all. Bam had his ups and downs. Yep. Um, but I mean, the Lakers were pretty consistent throughout. They had a couple bad shooting games, but um, there was never a point where, you know, it looked like they were completely out of sorts or anything. One thing that I thought was pretty interesting about the Lakers, how they're assembled is when Magic Johnson put the team together initially two years ago upon LeBron's arrival, one of his biggest additions was Rajon Rondo. And I believe he also, um, he wanted some other role players who were kind of playmakers was his indication, right? He's like, I know LeBron likes to play around shooters, but we need to have playmakers as well. And so a little bit of credit has to be given to our man, Magic Johnson. I know people clown him and you know, him and Rob Palinka ultimately kind of had a major disagreement and Magic said Rob Palinka stabbed him in the back, but some of those massive pieces of the Lakers were put together under the, under the idea of um, Magic Johnson's kind of leadership. And I know, you know, Davis is a huge addition and that's basically a will of LeBron and Markeith Morris was, you know, one of those late season signings, but kind of the bones of it, you could contribute some to Magic, right? Yeah. I mean, he got, I know LeBron was probably going there no matter what, but you can give him credit for, you know, getting LeBron to go there. I know there was talk of like Philly or a couple other spots, but I think yep. LA was, was where he really wanted to go. And I think too, yeah, we saw just how good Rondo is in those big time situations where over the course of seven games or going to be in six games, he just gets to kind of pick teams apart, you know, with his basketball IQ that he has and, it was kind of a, I don't know, indicator of the direction that they might, you know, keep going with LeBron as he gets older. I mean, yeah. it still doesn't look like he's, you know, has any signs of slowing down anytime soon, but he finally had like that, you know, secondary ball handler whenever Rondo would come in where he could just allow LeBron to play off the ball again. They could defer to AD a little bit. So it's not like those Cleveland days where, you know, he was really carrying a lot of the weight. Well, yeah, I guess you could say with the caveat of the Cleveland without Kyrie, because Kyrie obviously was phenomenal with the ball and he did a lot of that responsibility, but it felt like before Rondo kind of took this weight on and he's often injured, it allowed LeBron to breathe a little bit. And, you know, Rondo has just these moments. He had some big offensive rebounds in game three, game four, he was scoreless. Then he has a huge driving layup, which ends up putting, the Lakers up. So you just have kind of these moments where Rondo, you know, made himself present. And I thought it was interesting after the game was over, LeBron hugged Rondo for like a minute and a half. It seemed like, like he was like really appreciative of Rondo and his contributions. And, um, you know, Rondo's one of the most enigmatic players probably in NBA history, right? If you think about what his career was, I mean, back when he was the Celtics and he got traded to the Mavericks, we're like, dude, this is like an all NBA player. And now he's just kind of been an NBA purgatory. And you kind of wonder, how his career will play out the rest of the way here. Will he kind of hatch on with the Lakers still and, and hang out for a couple more years or, you know, whatever it may be as far as what his career will end up looking like. Yeah. And it will be interesting. And I would anticipate that he tries to hang around and maybe win a couple more, try to go for a couple more with LA, just because I think it's a perfect situation for him. 
you know, he can kind of coast. They're so good that they can just coast through the regular season. And then just like he did this year, as soon as the playoffs hit, just kind of crank it up. And the only indicate the only kind of question mark there would be is is he going to try and chase one more contract? Yeah, it, I guess it's possible. I mean, he's had a couple of years here where he's not been making a ton of money, but yeah, if he does want a decent amount, he's going to have to go somewhere else. But you know, in that same vein, I think you could say that he can't do what he's doing with the Lakers if he's on another team, and that's kind of right. been the issue is he can't be you know, the main guy, he's got to be that, we'll say, kind of spark plug type of guy. And he's under contract next year for $2.6 million, and he's 34 years old. So, you know, it, he's probably one of the more interesting pieces to me. And ultimately, Davis, Anthony Davis says, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think ultimately he'll sign. He'll re-sign with the Lakers. And you could see how – I mean, realistically, how many more championships do you think, let's say over-under is two for LeBron and the Lakers? Would you go over or under? Well, I was doing this with a, a buddy at work the other day, and we were saying it put the over-under at like 1.5 for the rest of his mm-hmm. career. And I, I would say under. I feel like one's, one's probably the right number. I mean, maybe he gets to two more with the Lakers. Um, but I think one would be about the max. I just think it's going to be tough as he keeps getting older and older. Agreed. And then you think about this. The Warriors come back next year. They'll have Steph and they'll have Draymond, Clay Thompson. They have Andrew Wiggins. They also have the second pick in the draft. So obviously they're going to kind of be loaded here. And then you look at the rest of the way. I mean, the West is loaded, right? The Mavericks have Luka Doncic. You have the LA Clippers if they can figure it out, right? I mean, Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns were 8-0 in the bubble. Maybe they're figuring out as well. These teams can get younger and more and more talented. Um, So it's only getting more difficult for our man LeBron. But ultimately, oh, yeah. you have to be so, so happy. I mean, I'm happy for him. I hate the Lakers, per se. I just don't really like them that much. Um, I like LeBron in the underdog role, like when he was with the Cavs, but ultimately they earned it, and they got it. And I know that you have to be just on cloud nine. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, as a LeBron fan, it feels like that's like the last kind of big piece. I mean, now he's literally done it everywhere he's gone. So. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of at the point where, hey, anything else is just gravy at this point. Um, it's gravy and, train, baby. Yep, going forward. I mean, hey, who wouldn't want to come play in L.A.? They've proven they've done it. I mean, if you're going to come play for a team in L.A., why would you go play with Kawhi and Paul George? I mean, without, who's no without brainer. a coach as of right now as well? And Yeah. No brainer. I mean, clearly LeBron, is he elevates all the guys who are around him. So. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, they're favored to win the championships next year, and a lot could happen. And, you know, with Anthony Davis as injury-plagued as he is, it, it's, you know, anything could happen. But ultimately, they have a great, great chance next year. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. So now we are joined by our great, great friend, our Atlanta correspondent, Randy Bell. <laughs> Randy, how are you doing? You're a Tennessee Volunteers fan. You just got spanked by Georgia. Thanks um, for bringing that up. You're an Atlanta Falcons <laughs> fan. You're defeated as a Falcon. And however, you're Atlanta Braves fan, and they just won game one of the NLCS. So as a sports fan in general, how are you just doing mentally? Well, Alex, uh, first of all, I appreciate that introduction. Um, nothing like a little salt on the wound for Atlanta Atlanta Homer. Um, I'm doing great, man. Honestly, I mean, the Braves are, uh, like you said, they won game one. They're um, Before I got in here, they were up 2-0. Uh, 2-0. 
Uh, Freddie Free had just hit a um, two-run homer. So I was feeling, feeling pretty good. Um, but, yeah, you summed it all up. Being an Atlanta uh, homer, it, it comes with some rough, rough years. Can we get a little Tennessee volunteer, just a quick 90-second, what's going on with the season, what's going on with the quarterback, what's the problem? How? I mean, it was close to Georgia. You guys were highly ranked. What's ultimately the issue with Tennessee volunteers? Um, they're the Tennessee volunteers, man. Uh, you, you, we, uh, Pru is just, you know, like he's got us going the right direction. JG is not the answer. Um, he's been, uh, the starting quarterback at Tennessee since, I don't know, maybe after Philip Fulmer left, it feels like. So, um, and it's always up and down. Um, when he came out, uh, when he was recruited high school, um, he was like a five-star court recruit. Everybody wanted him. Um, and you just, if you haven't figured it out by now, um, there's some issues. So it's time to give someone else a chance. Yeah. He turns the ball over way too much, like fumbles. And he reminds me of Danny Dimes, how much he turns the ball over. And it just I was, interception. Or... I was going to say there is a, uh, a stark similarity. You could have said that exact explanation last year and just plugged in Shea Patterson. And then you're talking about the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> <laughs> but what's so sad that is, Tennessee has so much talent. I mean, last year we had the probably, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm biased. We probably had like the best receiving duo in the country. Um, and we just didn't have the talent to get it to them. So, and that O-line is one of the best in the country until you ran up against Georgia and then realize, oh, the O-line is not as good as we thought they were. The one thing that as a Tennessee, I, you know, they're kind of like on my radar as one of the teams I root for. The one thing that just, shocks me to no end is how little Alvin Kamara got the ball when he was at Tennessee and how much and how explosive he is in the NFL and how the the the, the volunteers would play Jalen Hurd over him at running back I just I, I can never believe that it's absurd I mean look what he did Arian Foster too I mean come on we have no idea what to do when we have great talent well why we brought you on Randy Colin and I wanted to get your parting shots as Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov era in Atlanta ends, um, it was announced a couple days ago that after the Falcons lost again to the Carolina Panthers, fell to 0-5, that the Falcons were firing Dan Quinn, moving on. Ultimately, what were your thoughts um, on the Falcons moving on from Dan Quinn, the guy who took them to the Super Bowl? Um, I, I think it was the right call. Um, you know, great guy, nice guy. Um, and that's what you can say about him. He's a great guy. He's a nice guy. Um, but guess who you don't say that about? You don't say that about Bill Belichick. Um, you don't say that about him because no one cares if he's a nice guy. Um, you could be the nicest salesman in the world, but if you're not selling cars, you're going to get fired. So um, it all comes down to wins and losses. And he had, I mean, his overall record at, as a head coach is 43 and 42. Um, that's not going to get you any job if you walk into a res- uh, job with a resume that says, hey, half the, almost half the time I win, so, um, or a little more than half the time I win, that's not going to get you anything. So um, great job being a nice guy. Great job coming in with, oh, the brotherhood. Oh, the brotherhood. Rise up. Um, but if you're not winning, who cares about the brotherhood, dude? Um, so, yeah, good riddance. Have a good one. You can take Matt Ryan with them. You can take Julio with them. <laughs> just just wreck the whole thing. Screw it. I mean, everybody that was a part of that Super Bowl team, um, we're never going to get over that. So you got you to gotta get rid of them. So. And then that brings me to my next question is, do you think this ultimately 
How does this whole picture play out if you never blow the 28-3 game to the Patriots? Do you think, you know, you guys just keep rolling? Or was that blow just so devastating to, to the psyche of Matt Ryan, who was the MVP that year, the psyche of Dan Quinn managing in games, the psyche of the fans that you just couldn't move past it? No, we, we don't. The same thing happens. We just happen to win a Super Bowl instead. Uh, we lose Shanahan. That was the the whole reason we made it there, to be honest with you. It didn't really have anything to do with Dan Quinn other than he hot, that he may have been part of the hiring process of Shanahan. But other than that, uh, no. We, st- we would have had the same fate um, either way. And then my other question is – What's going on with the defense? Dan Quinn's supposed to be this defensive guru coming from Seattle, and y'all are getting actually just ravaged. Yeah, it's funny you said that because uh, when you called me and asked about the show, I was like, make sure um, I'm well, well-versed when I come on here because you guys are such so knowledgeable. Um, and I was looking at the the Falcons' defense since he's been there, um, and this has been mediocre to terrible. Um, there's not they're the highest they got was the 2017 season, not even Super Bowl season, 2017, uh, the following Super Bowl run uh, when we lost to the Philadelphia Eagles because somehow we could not punch it in on a first and goal. Who, who would have thought? Anyways, um, yeah, yeah, such it was actually a terrible game. Like if you go back and in the corner, right? Yeah, yeah, don't understand that either. Do not understand, but whatever. It goes back to the reason Dan Quinn's not there anymore. Um, and I'll tie that in a second, but his defense has not been great. Um, that They might be like 20th, 25th. Uh, there was one time they were like 30. This year they're 32nd. I mean, no, 30. They're only above their next to last. The only defense that they're better than are the, is the Seattle Seahawks, um, which is funny to say that. It's just – um, Russell Wilson's so good that it doesn't matter how bad that defense is. Um, we just don't have anybody like that. But yeah, his defense has always been terrible. Um, it's so funny you brought it up because the, he was an integral part of taking uh, uh, the Seattle Seahawks to their first Super Bowl um, win. Mm-hmm. So, Legion of Doom. That was, Dan, that was Dan Quinn. Kyle, let me ask you. Would you rather be an Atlanta Falcons fan or Detroit Lions fan? If you could just replicate the last 20 years, same results. Would you ever be the Lions who never really have a chance, never really get your hopes up, or be the Atlanta fans where, hey, things are really going, we're, gonna, we're, we're the number one team, and ultimately you, you have your demise? Lions, 100%. Um, 100% <laughs> Lions. I mean, because I know the, the one time we do make it to the Super Bowl, we're going to have a 28-3 type situation in oh. that <laughs> – that again is something, you know. It's it's like you're you're dating the love of your life. It's it's been three years into it. You go to propose to her, and she says, "Ah, uh, I'm not quite ready." And then, like you said, for the next two years, it's been consistently downhill. She just dumps you. See, ya. <laughs> get out of here, Dan. Yeah, 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 dude. You're exactly right. You know, I thought about that too today. Is comparing Detroit Lions to Atlanta Falcons, um, and I think that's a good comparison. I mean. Just not, and I, it made me think about this. And you guys, just give me your take on this. Winning breeds winning, right? And it breeds a winning culture. If you're a losing losing team consistently year after year, you just haven't won anything. Is there a losing culture there, which then bleeds into even in the best spot possible to win, you still don't do it because it's like a mental thing. What do you think? You you can answer first, Colin. I think I think a hundred percent because. I think, you know, and I've been parts of 
of teams like that too in the past where, you know, if, if nothing's really expected of you ever, you know, the first, the first hint of adversity comes, you go, well, you know, we are the lions. We're not supposed to win. Anyways, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it does kind of losing breeds losing. I mean, I a hundred percent agree with that. I agree too, because I think it's repetitions. Like when you're the new England Patriots, if you're a player, a fan, a coach or whatever, you've just become accustomed to like, we'll figure it out. We'll pull it out. We'll win. Right. And the same thing kind of happens for some of these teams that the Kansas city chiefs, right. They lost this weekend, but ultimately they're like, we're down 10. We'll win. We have Patrick Mahomes. Don't worry about it. When you're a fan or a player or on a team where you keep kind of, you know, for instance, the Dallas Cowboys game, you guys are up big with four minutes to go. You get this sinking feeling inside your stomach. You're like, Oh my God, here we go again. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, and you start kind of going in panic mode and start treading water. And that's the worst feeling to have. And, you know, Colin and I go through it on a weekly basis, right? We played the Saints two weeks ago. We go up 14 nothing. I immediately text him. It's going to be a heartbreaker. Colin says, we'll be losing by halftime. And we were. You know, you just have that feeling, and it just is terrible to live that way. But, you know, it really is. And the players feel the same exact way. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, deep down, Matt Stafford knows we're going to blow this again. I know we are. No matter what yeah. I do, in my heart of hearts, they're going to call holding. There's going to be a late, you know, there's going to be a personal foul penalty. Something bad is going to happen. The same thing happened in the Seahawks Vikings game. You can just tell. I'm rooting so hard for Kirk Cousins. I want him to win, and you just know Russell Wilson's on the other side of the ball. He'll make it happen. They'll win. Um, so, Bell, let me ask you. I'm asking you the same question I asked Colin. Would you rather be the Lions or the Falcons? You, you never have to get your expectations up with Detroit. Maybe a wild card loss, but you're never going to be in the Super Bowl and lose 28-3. Oh, man. You know what? I thought about this too, and I've, I've asked my dad multiple times. You had, you had so many other teams to pick from when you were raising me. Why did you not pick any other team but the Falcons? <laughs> So, like, I would say that I'd probably go to Detroit because I've asked that many times. Why the Falcons? Why? I would rather be a Detroit Lions fan because at least then I know what to – every year I, I go in with no expectations, zero. Like, if we go to the playoffs, yeah, let's go. We're in the playoffs, right? So, I mean, it's a great feeling. Where are the Falcons? And you have – it's insane. You have, like, everything on your side to win, and you lose. And that's just – and that's the most dis- frustrating thing, whereas Detroit, like you got Matthew Stafford and you got talent around you, but like you said earlier, like the, you don't have high expectations. But here in Atlanta, you have Julio Jones, the best receiver. You have a MV, uh, MVP uh, in Matt Ryan. Um, you've got talent all around. Deion Jones, you got pro bowlers all around you, Alex Mack, and you do nothing. You do absolutely nothing except go one and seven the start of last year. I don't know how that doesn't get you fired either. Then you before the year before that you went seven and nine, you start out one and four. And you still have a job? What is going on? If you look at I'm sorry, real quick, if you look at Dan Quinn's career since he's been here, there was streaks. He would lose five and six games in a row. <laughs> what are you doing? And don't they play, don't they, play next week? they play somebody pretty beatable too. So like if they had kept him around he probably get the win this week and starts off one and five, and then maybe they win another one. They start rolling a little bit too. Yeah, yeah and that's I, what we were fearful of. The I think the, uh, next week. Go ahead, Colin. I was going to say, I think the difference, it's a thin line probably between the Lions and the Falcons, but I think we're closer to the 
you know, kind of irrelevance or we might get pity from the rest of the, the league, whereas the Falcons are the laughing stock. So yeah. I'd really rather be the, the irrelevant or, or the fans that mm-hmm. kind of get pity than be the ones that everyone's laughing at. Being a Falcons fan is dating the super hot girl who you know is what your league and will ultimately dump you. Being a Lions fan, you just kind of date, you know, she's a nice, sweet girl. You got you five know. kids. <laughs> yeah. Good team job. You're, you know, you're not anything you're at home about, but life is all right. <laughs> and you take joy in beating, like, upsetting Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers every year. I mean, if, right. if you can. You know, there's that hope. That's what drives you. Right. You're gonna, your car is going to break down, but you know what? People feel bad for you. They're going to stop on the side of the road. They're going to help you fix your tire. <laughs> yeah, no way helping Atlanta Falcons do anything. <laughs> nope, Atlanta Falcons, you're getting rear-ended while driving your Ferrari. <laughs> and as they go by, they're going to say, 28 to 3, you suck. So you basically are the modern-day Buffalo Bills. You know, Obviously, all of your collapses were in the Super Bowl, but that was probably the most similar team. I mean, that's just – when we redid that game and to just walk through how they lost, it's just shocking. But let me ask you this, Randy. As far as best coaches of all time in Atlanta Falcons history, Quinn's got to be up there, right? No, he is. I mean, there's not there, and that's what's sad. I mean, that, is, that, you, what, that statement you just said right there, our greatest coach in history was 43 and 42 and blew a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. That's the greatest <laughs> we've ever had it. Um, and that's that's you're right. He is a Mike Smith would probably be second to that, who was his predecessor. So not Dan Reeves, the guy who got him to the Super Bowl. No, I mean Dan Reeves got us there, but he was on his way out. Did that dude? I mean, he was doing the dirty bird, and I thought, oh god, and he had a heart attack that season. Like I mean, the dude was like <laughs> on his way out. So I can't say that he was our best coach ever. Most of his uh, work was when he's well, what the Broncos and the Giants, or when he or uh, when he's with previous day. Before you got to Atlanta. All right, so Quinn goes down as your greatest coach of all time. That's tough. Followed by Mike it's Smith. It's real tough. Who was pretty mm-hmm. fraudulent in that head coaching position as well. Huh? Yeah, he was what pretty about, bad. Uh, Randy, looking forward, um, there could be a hot young coach out on the market here fairly soon um, by the name of Matt Patricia. What do you think about that as a film? Yeah, player? we're. I mean, why not? Since we're such similar <laughs> programs, why don't we just trade coaches too? I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, I keep thinking about, uh, was it Bellamy at Kansas City? I mean, I, his name keep, continues to come up. It came up a lot last year, too. Is he your number? Bellamy Who's your top three? Sure. We did this exercise last week, and Bellamy was colonized number one choice. Who are your top three candidates to replace Quinn next season? Yeah, I think you go Bellamy. Who is that uh, the, uh, defense, uh, the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator? Um I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Um, I would take him. And then um, the only other thing I would think, there's got to be a high, like a young college coach that may could breathe some life into our team. Um, I don't know who that would be off the top of my head, though. Maybe That's what Mike. I was saying to Link, Lincoln Riley. No. Oklahoma. Leave, leave us alone. You want Chuck, Chuck Pagano's your guy, the Bears coordinator? Is that, yeah, I would take that all day. Right now, absolutely. But then again, I think you got to have somebody that's there for the long run. Like, I look at Arthur Blank. He wants the Super Bowl ring. He's not getting any younger. So he's looking at, like, all right, I got, like, five years, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. Um, so he's got to bring in somebody that's going to make it happen quickly. Well, Bell, um, you know, our thoughts are with you every week when the Falcons lose. I 
I always think about you. Um, I appreciate you, that, man. You're you're with me during the hardest time. Yeah, I'll never forget you pat me on the back. Said, dude, like, come on, you guys are up freaking twenty eight three. I was like, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, dude. I know what's about to happen. <laughs> I'm so, taking my chili. I'm going home. I'm going home, boy. Me and Kevin, Kevin the chili. I get that text every freaking year. Well, well <laughs> thanks for joining us. Any final thoughts? How does the I'll I'll give you two last questions. I'll let you go. Uh, okay. How does the Falcon season play out? And then who is your Super Bowl matchup and Super Bowl winner? Okay, the way it plays out, um, we screw it up and we do not get the first round pick. Um, we somehow go on a win streak because uh, no one's a sellout, which is so annoying. So we end up, I'd say we end up at like, I don't know, seven and nine. I don't think we win seven games, but. Um, I just feel like there's enough talent there where we do somehow pull off a few a few wins, um, and then that's it. That that then we, we screw our chances of getting a good quarterback. Um, so, and not saying Matt Ryan's not, but it, his time's up, dude. You've been in the league 13 years. Chill out. <laughs> um, if I look at you, say who's my Super Bowl picks? Yep. Okay. Um, Mm, man, that's a tough one. I, I, I'm not going to lie. The way that Green Bay is going right now, I know you guys hate hearing this, but it's just hard to not like look at that team and not think they're going to make a, they're going to be hard to deal with, um, especially if you think about um, in playoff time what it is at Lambeau Field. That's a hard place to play. Um, so I, I, they're, and they're so hot right now. I, I would say Green Bay and then out of the AFC, um, I, I'll give it to Pittsburgh. I think I think the Steelers are are on a roll right now. I don't know who's going to stop them, as far as when they do get the playoffs. So I think you're end up with like Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Green Bay Packers Super Bowl. Who wins? Oh man, um, I, I'd say Green Bay. I think Ben Roethlisberger has a, a great, especially since he's gotten older, has a great way of, of screwing a game. Um, so. <laughs> I really think it'd probably be Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers. He just has. I, I don't like him as like person. He just has that swag though, where like even if you're beating him, you're not beating him. So, mm-hmm. well, that's not music to my ears, Bell. Thanks for coming on. Um, and yeah. Every week we're on 7:30 p.m. Eastern. If you want to give your NFL thoughts, you're free to join us. Oh, dude, 7:30. You said 7:30 p.m. Eastern. We're live every Tuesday, baby. Every Tuesday, let me put that in my calendar so I can get that down. All right, dude. I appreciate you guys having me. You guys have a good night. And um, yeah, rise. Never mind. I'm not even going to try to say it. All right, Bill. All right. See ya. Dark times in Atlanta, Colin. Um, what did you make of just his general despondence of the Atlanta Falcons and saying, hey, get rid of Julio, get rid of Matt Ryan? Is he just in, in just a uh, breakup mode or what's going on? Well, I think uh, he, he's pretty close to where we're getting. Uh, well, he's probably one step further than where we're at. Um, like, oh, oh my God, Derrick Henry. But I am, you know me, uh, Matt Stafford lifer, and I've even been getting to the point where, hey, let's, if you love him, let him go, right? <laughs> let him go. I just, I it, it just hurts, it's, to, it hurts to watch it. Matt Ryan won an MVP and took the team to the Super Bowl. Imagine how dark we'd have to be to think about if, if Matthew Stafford had won an MVP, taken the Lions to the Super Bowl, and almost won. To be like, hey, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get rid of Calvin Johnson. Just get rid of him. Get rid of the coach. Move on. You got to have some – Run him. 
Not and they're not doing the oh let's you know let's trade him or buy him out so we can go play somewhere. There. Get him out of here. Get him out. <laughs> Just get rid of him. Oh, hey, Bell, we're thinking about you. So normally we do our Tuesday shows here. We talk NBA because you're big on LeBron. Well, that's over now. And then we also talk Detroit Lions. The Lions had a bye week. Before we get into the rest of the slate of games. Can I just say how great it was for my health to not have to watch the Lions? I looked at my wife, Maura, this weekend. I said, hey, I'm going to have to watch the Lions lose this weekend. I felt like I was freed from a from a terrible disease or something. It just felt so nice. I didn't have to worry about it. I could just watch Red Zone pop in and out, and I knew that my blood pressure wouldn't get elevated. Yep, it was um, a pretty incredible day of really just fantasy watching. Didn't, yeah. didn't watch a single game in its entirety. Loved doing that. I was 100% red zone as well, so I was locked in. It's just great. I mean, think about how the toll the Lions take on you mentally, realistically. Like, they set you up for the worst case of Sunday scaries every week because you think about Lions are almost always on at 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Game gets over at 4.30. The last 10 to 15 minutes are extremely stressful. You feel, like, really upset. You need an hour to cool down. Now it's 5 o'clock, 5.30, approaching 6 o'clock. You got to get ready for dinner. You're like, oh my God, now the week, now the new week is here. Didn't have to do that this week. This is a, just a terrible cycle you're on with the Lions. I'm going to give them one more shot. They play the Jags this weekend. Oh God. One more shot. I'll do a full broadcast. Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars. If they lose here, I'm going red zone the rest of the way. Nope. I'm, I have already, I flipped that switch when I was, um, I think the week before. I don't even recall who we played. We got trounced. The Saints. The Saints. Yep. The Saints. I gave up at halftime of that game. So I am uh, red zone only. Let me ask you this. Before we break down all the games from week five, do you think the Lions win? They're three-point favorites against the Jags. I have a feeling it's going to be late. Gardner Minshew is going to have the ball driving. They'll be down like three or four, and he'll be on our 40-yard line. He'll either make a big play and they'll end up winning, or he'll throw a late-game interception. Um. I, I feel like it's a – I think it's a loss, and uh, wow. it's just – I think it's going to be hilarious to see what Matt Patricia does after a bye week. He has two weeks to prepare, and uh, I think we're going to look as bad as ever. I mean, Minshew's going to – you know Minshew's going to sit back there and just throw dimes. Oh, he, well, that's the thing. He's not going to get touched all day. Yeah. He's going to be running around like crazy. So you think it's a loss. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's break down the games. Um, yesterday, L.A. Chargers lose to the New Orleans Saints, 30-27 to in overtime. The Chargers blew a 17-point lead. What would you make of Monday Night Football? I thought it was pretty entertaining. I watched the fourth quarter from my bed and YouTube TV, but um, I was really rooting for um, the Chargers. I like Justin Herbert. Yeah. I – you know, as you've heard me kind of rip on TB, I love kind of ripping quarterbacks and calling them washed and noodle armed and, and <laughs> just no good anymore. Um, so it was good to see Drew Brees struggle in the first half a little bit, but he ended up kind of pulling it together. And, um, you know, pretty much as soon as they called the kicker, you know, kind of broke out that, hey, he calls himself the money badger. You're mm-hmm. like, well, this is either going to be sick and he's going to sell a bunch of t-shirts tomorrow or he's going to have you know every single chargers fan calling for his career to be over after this game and how far of a kick was that last one it was the one he missed 
Yeah. It was like a 50-yarder. If your name's the Money Badger, did you have to make the 50-yarder to win the game? Because for those who didn't watch, the Chargers go down the field. They're in position to win the game. Line up for 50-yarder. The Money Badger misses. Um, game goes to overtime. Ultimately, the Saints win. Uh, if your name's the Money Badger, you got to make it, Colin. I mean, no excuses. Especially because the game was only tied because he missed an extra point earlier in the game. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, you need to go back and crawl in your little badger hole for about two weeks and don't show face. Speaking of missed extra points, it just is so weird how these missed extra points feel so impactful. Um, and that brings me to Minnesota, Seattle. Minnesota, I had a feeling about them. I, I On our Friday podcast, we picked the Vikings for – the Seattle for our eliminator pool to win. And I was really hesitant. I was like, Vikings are a tough team. They're going to play well. Um, I think Cousins will do a good job. Minnesota went up 13-0. Um, Seattle scores before half. Cousins had a really questionable turnover. They said it was a fumble, but it looked like it was a forward pass. But, of course, Seattle gets the call. Then he threw a bad interception, and it looked like Seattle was just going to roll. But Kirk Cousins bounced back. He led some long drives, but the game comes down to the last, uh, I think it was right at the two-minute warning. The Vikings are up five points. They're on Seattle's six-yard line. It's fourth and one. Let me ask you this. If you're up five and you're going up against Russell Wilson, they only, they'll have one timeout remaining. You're up five. You're on their six-yard line. It's fourth and one. What are you going to do? I didn't think it was a horrible decision to go for it there just because that's really the only way to guarantee a win. Yep. Whereas, you know, the, you know, people wanted them to kick the field goal great. You can't technically lose. But, you know, all you need to do is get a yard and you're guaranteeing yourself a win. So especially when you're Minnesota, it's not like you're, I, I don't know, you're not 4-0 or something trying to preserve a perfect record. You need to go try to win ball games. I agree. I mean, I, I, the, it, the same situation kind of occurred in the Raiders-Chiefs game. It was fourth and one. They had a single, dit, like a one-score lead. John Gruden elected to go for it. My only issue was they were tearing up Seattle on the left-hand side. I mean, Alex Madison was crushing it, and they ran it to the right side where the defensive tackle was dominating um, the right side of the line for the Vikings, and they get stuffed, and it was really close. I wish Madison would have extended the ball there, and the game's over. But ultimately, I think NFL, you have to be aggressive. So, you know, a lot of people are like, you should kick it. You go up eight, but you think about it. You're going up against Russell Wilson. He has two minutes to go, and he only has to go 75 yards instead of 94 yards. I mean, the game's over. I mean, Russell Wilson threw up a bomb to DK Metcalf on fourth and 10, and the D-back overran it by like five yards. The game should have been over. They just couldn't close, and that's why Russell Wilson is who he is, and that's kind of what we alluded to earlier. Wilson has a, a, a presence about him where when he's on your team, you think you always have a chance. Yeah, and, you know, I guess you could say, hey, worst-case scenario, you kick that little chip shot field goal and miss it, and now you could lose in regulation. Where, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And that actually happened to the Vikings against the Seahawks in the playoffs with the Blair Walsh miss miskick. Oh, yeah. I left. And the Blair yeah. Walsh. So, you know, uh, everything always comes up against the Vikings. And that just – I root so hard for my man Cousins, and I thought he actually played pretty well. He led them on some really, really long drives, um, 98 yards, two 98-yard drives, and they were just mashing Seattle – and that's the great thing about football. It comes down to one yard. Can you get it or can you not get it? And ultimately, they weren't able to. Um, next game here is Dallas, New York. 
The big storyline here is Dak absolutely tears his ankle up, um, compound fracture. The big storyline is, you know, he's under a franchise tag here and, you know, what's going to happen. But uh, it just sucked to see Dallas ultimately wins. But what did you make of just the injury and kind of the outcry afterwards? Well, that was um, yeah, obviously one of the, I think, late afternoon games. Yep. That was on red zone. And I had, I was like kind of half watching, half like on my phone and saw him go down and then he stayed down for a minute and then um, he was like kind of reaching down towards his leg. And oh, yeah. I just heard Romo say something like, oh, hopefully it's just a cramp or something. I was like, oh, okay. And then looked back up. And like when I looked back up, I, you know, saw his bow was completely facing the wrong way. And I'm like, well, he vastly undersold the severity of this injury. Um, I don't need to see that again. So I'm not a big, uh, we'll say gore, gruesome injury guy. So I've turned that sucker right off. I mean, it was tough. It was really sad to see. And, you know, with these NFL players, when you're on the franchise tag, I think he'll still ultimately get paid. Um, but it just, it really sucks. You know, I'm not a big Cowboys fan, but I think Dex, a, a, he's really fun to watch and he's really electric and he was tearing it up. So I think he'll ultimately get his money, but can we just talk about the Dallas, New York game? Just, it feels like it's always a late Sunday night game or Sunday night football. And, it, and since like, I don't even know when the last time it's actually been good, maybe like Eli Manning 10 years ago, it feels like the same game over and over again. I know. And I was... I don't like Mike McCarthy at all. And I like the Cowboys even less. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was really rooting for them, especially early on when, you know, first quarter, they were down a couple of scores. I was like, Oh my Lord, here we go. This is just delightful. And Dude, then, can you tell me what's wrong with Danny dimes? Why does he turn the ball over so much? He is addicted to fumbling and throwing picks. It feels like he's always losing the ball. Yeah. And, that's the frustrating thing is he looks great, looks great, looks great, looks great. And then it's the one play that, you know, is just a complete bonehead decision. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if you're, I know it's a little early in his career, but that seems like a Eli Manning towards the end of his career type thing where it's just like, it's inevitable. It's going to happen every single game. When you turn the ball over like that, it's similar like Jameis Winston too. You know, Jameis Winston had 30 picks. Um, last season he had like eight or nine lost fumbles and he would lose the ball all the time. I just feel like I don't know if that's something you can really, really fix. If you're that turnover prone, I don't think you can fix it. Our next game well, is – oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's like Eric – well, Eric Ebron with the drops. I mean, yeah. it's just who he is. It's just who he is. And, we, you know, with the drops, Eric Ebron, he, he had multiple drops. One was an interception. Another one would have been an, another fumble. So – he just can't seem to hold on to the ball. Our next one was Indy Cleveland. Um, Cleveland wins. Cleveland's rolling. But, again, we have a situation where Phillip Rivers, similar storyline here, addicted to turning the ball over in the worst opportunity. Yeah, and this goes back to my theme again. It's kind of the, the three-headed monster here <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Tom, Phil Rivers, and Drew Brees. I mean, Phil Rivers has always had a you know funky-looking release. I mean, that thing, you might as well legit be whipping around some linguine right now. I mean, that thing is looking rough. No, Dude, can we talk about the face Philip Rivers makes every time he throws a pick in the worst? It's he takes his helmet off, he looks up to the sky and has the deepest breath like, oh, every time. 
Yeah, and probably thinking about how, you know, he's got to go home to that crazy house and another <laughs> loss in his belt. It's going to be a big, big to do. Yes. Our next one, probably one of the more surprising games of the week, is Miami beat San Francisco 43-17. to 17. San Francisco's full-blown panic mode. Their roster is decimated by injuries. Jimmy G looked really, really bad. Um, it was rough. It was not good. The thing about the Dolphins here, and you can't take the, the candy here if you're doing an eliminator pool or something like that, Fitzpatrick will have games where he absolutely <laughs> balls up. He threw for 350. This week they play, um, I believe, they play the Jets. I could see them somehow losing. Fitz magic. It's the highest of highs, lowest of lows. Uh, yep, and that's like I said, I'm I'm ready for Tua. So we just need like two of those bad Fitzpatrick games in a row. I know, you know, they talk about how much his teammates love him. He's such a good guy, hard worker. He's fantastic. That's great. He makes a lot of money. Uh, hand the clipboard over and let's see what Tua can do. But how can you? I mean, the Dolphins have uh, a winning record, right? And they're competing for a playoff position. Well, they're two and three, not quite winning. Winning for them, but... But they were yeah, hanging they, up against Seattle. They could have beat yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of hanging in with the Patriots, and then they almost beat the Bills. I mean, they played three really good teams. Yeah, they're going to. I mean, they're going to be in the playoff chase, especially with the expanded uh, spot this year. Um, but... I don't know. It's a good way to get yourself in that uh, kind of Pistons, Detroit Pistons purgatory where you're not quite the worst team in the league, but you're not good enough to win anything in the playoffs. So now you're not going to get those elite, elite players in the draft. But don't you think it's a little unique because the Dolphins have presumably their franchise quarterback in Tua who did have this degenerative hip issue, which could have been really, really bad. Give him an entire year to get ready. You have this quarterback who you think is the best quarterback in that draft class, an entire year to get healthy. You keep getting better. And the NFL is not like the NBA where the best player is at the first or second spot. Right. All, pl- all pros in the third, fourth, fifth, you know, it just depends on your evaluation. So I don't think the NFL is, is – tanking is not really as – productive unless it's a trevor lawrence justin fields type quarterback yeah and or like we see now maybe the maybe the dolphins made a mistake maybe they should have taken uh herbert yeah i mean realistically but we can't compare until we see the end of or we see two actually out there and two will look good that his career will ultimately come down to injuries can you say and i think uh maybe miami's playing the game where it can't be a bad pick until he plays, so let's just not play. All right, our next one, Houston-Jacksonville. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Houston wins. They fired Bill O'Brien last week. Um, Gardner Minshew's hot or cold. He's kind of like the next generation of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't have to stay <laughs> on this one, but uh, you can see G. Minshew is going to be like the ultimate uh, backup quarterback moving forward. Yep, that's what happens when your facial hair becomes uh... – Storyline. Uh, yeah, a storyline. You turn into the to the all-time uh, backup. Our next one is Cincinnati at Baltimore. Baltimore steamrolls Cincinnati. Cincinnati's really, really bad. Obviously, they had the first pick in the draft last year. Baltimore beats up on bad teams. The test for them will be can they beat good teams. They have a big game this week against Philadelphia. They're seven-point favorites. They are on upset alert in my eyes. That you know Philly could make something happen here. Um, so, yeah. Yep, and I don't know, poor Joe. Not going to be fun for him for quite a while in Cincinnati. Years. I mean, that'll be years. He's in a basically Detroit Lions situation when Matt Stafford yep. got there in the beginning. 
Um, but he's just not as big. It seems like he's a little bit smaller. Yeah. So, Hey, good luck, Joey B. Yep. <laughs> um, our next one is, this is probably the heart warming game of the week. The Rams played Washington football team. Alex Smith got back onto the field for the first time. And I think it was two and a half years after he nearly died after breaking his leg and he has to go up against the Washington or the Los Angeles Rams who have Aaron Donald. It was cool to see him out there, but it was actually quite terrifying. And you're like, please don't hit him, Aaron Donald. Please don't ruin his career. Please don't murder this guy. You know? Yeah. That's where I was like, you know, it's, it's great to see him out there, but let's let him throw a couple passes and get him, get him back on the sideline and let him uh, cash some paychecks while he doesn't snap his leg in half again. Do you think, the Rams players were aware of Alex. Like, I mean, obviously they know he was at quarterback, but do you think thought crossed their mind? Like, Hey, I don't want to be the guy who like ends this guy's career again. Do you think there's any thought there? Well, I mean, seeing that Aaron Donald completely jumped on his back and rode him like a horse, I would say no. (laughs) (laughs) Their mentality is it's football. You're out here. We're going to give it all we got. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be hard to, turn off and it's almost one of those things where it's like the moment you stop going full speed you're maybe even more prone to you know hurt yourself that's true that is true it was just a scary you could see his wife in the stance was like heavy breathing like oh my god it's crazy play. i would love but you look at his leg and how it's been it doesn't look right Uh, right but he he wants to play and that's the thing about i think that's underrated about sports or not underrated just maybe not overstated enough is these guys just want to play, you know, they're risking their health, you know, they're, you know, I mean, potentially long-term and short-term health. They just want to play football. And that's kind of the crazy thing about the game or, you know, sports in general. Yeah. And I mean, Goran Dragic is out there with a torn plaster. He has a little fashion. different, a little different. That's what I was going to say. It's like, you could tell hit like Alex Smith's wife. It wasn't, it wasn't like the typical, Oh, he's back out there after breaking his hand, you know, yeah. type of deal. She was, it looked like legitimately pretty uh, scared. Yeah. Like I didn't think he was getting in today. Like this is. Yeah. Like this ain't supposed to happen. And presumably Dwayne Haskins era is over. Allegedly coaches are upset with him because he's not taking coaching, not putting um, things into practice. He's not doing the film work and things of that nature, but he's still bragging about his stats. He just doesn't seem to get it, which is weird. Hey, that's an OSU Buckeye for you. What can I say? Another OSU Buckeye. Do you have any more intel on why Michael Thomas was suspended from Monday night's game? Uh, I think they said yesterday they punched um, one of the cornerbacks on his team at practice. And you know what's wild, Colin, is this. I don't know if you know this, but I'm reading a book. It's called Boys Will Be Boys. It's about the 1990s Dallas Cowboys. Michael Irving stabbed his teammate in the neck with a pair of scissors, and it was never even no reports about it, no charges, no anything. Um, and you have Michael Thomas getting suspended for punching a teammate. Kind of wild. Yeah, and that it's like there's got to be some type of, we'll say like recurring. I mean, you can say the same about Michael Irvin, I'm sure. But like oh. recurring behavior with Michael Thomas, where I highly doubt it's just like something that happened one time. And the same thing with like Earl Thomas, the guy who signed a $55 million contract with the Baltimore yeah. Ravens and got cut and nobody wants him. Nobody at all right. wants him. This guy right. must be toxic. So it's just, you know, I don't wonder, I wonder what it is with Michael Thomas. What is his persona? Is it like, Hey, we kind of got to clear this up. 
because he seemed to be well liked, but it's just kind of interesting to see like he's healthy, he's not playing today because of practice. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm team playing, dude. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of the same thing. Especially, it's like, dude, it's it's professional sports. Unless he did yeah. something illegal or like tried to hurt one of your own teammates in practice, hey, throwing a punch, whatever, dude. Right, right. I, I agree. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, Philly, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh again. Ran- <laughs> Can I just talk about how wild of a pick it is for Pittsburgh to win the the, champ, the Super or to get to the Super Bowl? That's a wild take. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty wild, but I I don't know. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, they have to get through Cleveland and Baltimore in just their own division alone to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. But but their defense is pretty decent, and they can put up points. We'll see. Pittsburgh beats Philly. Philly still kind of struggles. Big story here, Miles Sanders was a fantasy hound. He killed it. Uh, but Pittsburgh, and I guess uh, Claypool on the other side for Pittsburgh, he crushed it too. He had four touchdowns. Yeah, and then uh, Travis Fulgham, the former Detroit Lion, um, had 150 yards receiving and 10 catches in a touchdown. Wait, that guy used to play for the Lions? Yep. Oh, my God. Come we on. We got him. But he also, he also played for the um, – Packers last year too and they cut him too so it's like on some of those some of those things sometimes it's like you know if everybody's seeing the same thing that you know maybe it's a hot streak right now true 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 um Arizona beats New York we don't need to spend any time talking about Joe Flacco and the New York Jets Adam Gase I mean it's a race to the bottom between him and Patricia who gets fired first in your eyes they're going to trade Le'Veon Bell as well they said I I I don't know what the New York Jets thing is, I don't know what's going on at this point. Um, I mean, it's beyond just bad. It's <laughs> just, like, they don't even, sh- even on red zone, like when the Cardinals were in the red zone, they weren't showing anything. They didn't show anything from that whole game. You know, I saw like the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown catch they showed. That was literally all they would show that game just because it was so bad. So I, I think legit Patricia will be gone first. Wow. I mean, I just feel if you're like not being- on at all things are bad things are very yeah. bad i i don't know it's like the jets i don't know it's like ownership wants this at that point maybe they want lawrence like but you hey. have sam darnold i like sam darnold it's new york baby all publicity is good publicity you get talked about <laughs> when you're the worst you get talked about when you're the best and the jets and giants are a combined zero and ten right now which yeah, has never pathetic. happened I mean, how does that happen in New York? I just it's just baffling to me. Both conferences just defeated. And the New York Knicks are borderline the worst basketball team in the NBA. I mean, borderline the worst franchise in sports. That's that's New York, baby. Hey, Tana Thrill just goes into the end zone. Titans are up twenty one ten. Tannehill, man. Where where's Tannehill rank on your list? Would you rather have Tannehill or Stafford right now? I guess Tannehill. But I'm taking, I mean, Tana thrill over Maddie. I, I I don't know. It's hard to judge when the teams are polar opposites. And you have the offensive coordinator of the Titans. His dad is the CEO of FedEx. But you didn't know that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds like he's gonna have a pretty comfortable life after football. Yeah, he didn't. He but he started at the bottom. He didn't have to. You know, he kind of started at the low levels, and he he didn't really want to publicize his name. 
Um, and so we started at the bottom. Wow. Kind of interesting. Interesting. Easy, e- easy, easy to uh, easy to start at the bottom when you can't fall very far. That's true. You're not going to fall far at all because if things don't work out, you'll just work be a you know COO at FedEx. <laughs> That's called failing upwards. <laughs> Arthur Smith, yeah, he's the son of the of the founder, I believe, of FedEx. Wow. So hey, good. Maybe he'll be our next head coach. You know, good for him. He, hey, he probably got to play Madden a lot when he was growing up. <laughs> um, the surprise of the week: the Vegas Raiders beat the Chiefs. Um, this was the number one pick in our eliminator pool. The Chiefs were nine point favorites. I couldn't believe the Raiders pulled it out. They got it done. They threw a deep bomb to your boy, Henry Ruggs. Derek Carr didn't just check down all game. John Gruden, as we said, had the stones. They were up by, I think it was six late in the game, fourth and one on the 40-yard line. They say, hey, we're going to go for it. We're going to win it now. They get it done. I mean, I got to be honest. I like watching the Raiders play. It's just kind of cool to see John Gruden in his crazy mask, which doesn't really look like a mask, and they got it done. Yeah, Josh Jacobs was gobbling up touchdowns as well, so that was a fun game to watch. And it's good to see the Chiefs lose every now and then too just humble, humble. you know yeah just so you can make sure yep they're they're normal they're beatable it can happen and they didn't come back i mean it was it was it's, it was a it's just kind of crazy to watch a team like the raiders play and then car just checks down so much but it's open all the time so you got to think that's coached up like that's schemed up like why are we not able to just get these four or five yard plays when you know all we need is three or four yards you know what i mean that west coast kind of john gruden system works often Mm-hmm. I don't know if I pay him 10 years, 100 million, but you hey, know. doesn't count against the cap. Who cares? <laughs> That's bull cuts money, baby. <laughs> uh, and lastly, I spoke on this last week on my Friday podcast, but I want to give you a little bit of time to lament on Chicago Bears are undefeated, beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My boy, Tom Brady, you texted me, you said Brady's looking sharp. Ultimately, the Bucks lose. Brady forgets what down it is, and I know you're just loving Noodle Arm Brady. What do you make of this game? I hate that the Bears won. I hate that Brady lost. It was just ugh. Dude, I, I will say that the uh, Nick Foles just hit like a crazy, crazy amount of big throws on that last drive, especially yeah. that that wheel route um, out of the backfield um, that kind of helped them seal it. But yeah, the the Tom Brady final drive was hilarious because so, this was this was right after you had we were talking about Stafford and you had talked about how you know the Lions could be three and one if if it was TB instead of Stafford because Tom always makes the he doesn't make the one big mistake and then it's like well Tom Brady literally just chucks it into nowhere <laughs> on fourth down <laughs> and like it's a throwaway and uh turns out that's the end of the game and then after the game uh he and Bruce Arians both claim that no, no, no. He, I knew it was fourth down, which is like what I would say too. So <laughs> Tom's got excuses. I would say if it was Stafford, he probably would have thrown an interception or gotten sacked before that fourth down play. Um, there was a questionable roughing the passer on Shaquille Barrett, which flipped field position. Um, you know, and ultimately, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of some excuses here. It's hard. <laughs> um, my biggest thing is the lack of discipline. The, the Bucks. Just the penalties they had were just terrible. I mean, you got offensive linemen headbutting people. You have whole. I mean, at one point it would have been first and forty, but they declined the penalty because um it was an incomplete pass. It was bad for the Bucks 
Bruce Arians well, got more discipline. And they're in trouble now, too, defensively, because Vita Vea is out for the year. Broke he his tore ankle. something? Broke his ankle. Yep. I like watching him play, and he's big on their stopping the run. But can I talk about Sue looks really good still. I was like, dang, I almost wish we still had him. I know we've had a bad breakup with him, and he's stomping people on the legs when it was Green Bay before playoff games and things of that nature. But it would ni- it'd be nice to still have him around. Hey, but I- I'll – I'll always say this, and you know, maybe a lot of people won't admit it, but when it's the guy on your team that's stomping other people on the legs, you don't care as much. Okay, <laughs> you can all right, suspend him for a game. Fine, I'm still going to root for him as soon as he comes back. It was just tough when it was before the playoff games, and we rarely <laughs> make that was the tough. Or, or when you're the Lions fan, you're tr- you're trying to get 95 different angles to find the one where you could be like, well, it could it might not have been on purpose. Just curb stopping the guy's calf yeah. as hard as he can. Yeah. He's clearly just remember he's stepping backwards and he clearly puts all of his weight on his ankle. <laughs> but and then we had other ones at the same time where it's like he literally pushes Jay Cutler from behind and gets a unnecessary roughness for it. He also yeah. gets kind of the short end of the stick on some of that just because he was such a freak. All right, let me ask you this. So he was like Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald, just not as good. I think that's who we envisioned that we would have had Aaron Donald. But in in Dominican Sue, because that's how he was in college. He was better than him in college, and he looked to be that dominant. But I think he got broken down by Detroit. He got tired of the fans. He got tired of the losing culture. And he's like, dude, I'm just so frustrated. I'm going ham. I'm just, I'm yeah. stepping on people. I'm grabbing people by the face mask. I just have to make something happen, good yep, or bad. And, I'm like, and now I'm going to go get my money and live in Florida. Play in a Super Bowl, almost win, go to Florida, make a little extra dough, hang out, never have to look back at Detroit once. See ya. All right, let me ask you this before we wrap up. If you had to pick one game, which would guarantee, let's say you had to put your life savings down on a team that will win this Sunday or Monday or in this week's slate of games, who are you picking? All right, so this week it has to be a W. Have to win. Um, oh, my God. This is a it's a tough, tough week. Um. I, I'll go with the uh, Rams over the 49ers. I think the 49ers are I think the 49ers are in trouble and I'll go with the Rams. 49ers are at home. I always said I don't like going up against good coaches. I I was feeling the most strongly I thought New England was on here. I think New England is my number 1 pick over the Broncos. The Broncos, yeah. All right, well, if that game doesn't happen, that counts as a loss for you. You could lose to COVID this week. <laughs> That's true, Colin. We were one week away from Michigan football kicking off. Are you going to use this time to prep or just pretend like it's not happening so you don't have to be stressed out for the next two and a half months? Um, I'll pretend. I'm going to wait until we'll say like Friday night to start getting excited. Um, they did announce that Michigan Minnesota is going to be a night game at 7:30 on ABC. Um, of course, put the Maze of Blue on prime time television, so I'll be <laughs> excited for it. Oh uh, well, I I'm ready for. We, I don't think Michigan State has still announced their starting quarterback yet. I'm praying against praying that it's not Rocky Lombardi because it could be a long year for me if I have to watch him. I saw an article on the Free Press today that uh, Michigan State's trying out their backup punter at tight end, so things are looking pretty good. <laughs> that that noon kickoff on BTN against Rutgers is going to be incredible. <clears throat> let's get a win. Let's let's let's. Hey, we're going to win <laughs> one and try and get better every week. So. 
I think, right. I think we'll do. I think I'm going to do post games on Saturday after both games. So, oh boy. Um, <laughs> Colin, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, um, Tuesday, 7:30 p.m. Eastern. Later. Everybody, thanks for joining. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for continuing to download. This is our 99th episode of all time. One short of 100. Again, you can join us every week, Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern here on Podbean. We're on a YouTube channel as well if you want to join in that way as well. Guys, thank you so much. And I'll check you later.